nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun path thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week, we have... My name is Paul Carmichael. I jumped on you there, dear, but nevertheless, my name is Paul Carmichael, and this week I think we need to talk about the the on-the-buses phenomenon. The the on-the-buses phenomenon, yes. You know Uh, what I mean. Well, uh, right, okay. You mean mean the thing that began late last evening? At about 11 o'clock. Yeah, something like that. I was just enjoying a secret army. Yes, and, and I wasn't enjoying a Tom Hanks film. Oh, uh, it's a great then, film. What's it called? Scully or Cully or something? Uh, wasn't Scully the thing with Drew Schofield by Phil that's, Redmond? That's, yeah, that's kind of why I didn't say it was Scully last night. I couldn't remember what it was called. Anyway. Well, I think that's the name of the pilot. So basically it's a film about a man who lands a plane, but his job is to land a plane. Yeah, not on a river. Well, nevertheless, when there's I, no engines working or anything. I have some shaky days in work where I think, I don't know how I got through that. Where is my film? Shaky Spear days. Shaky Spear days, yes. Shaky Spear I, days. I am yet I am yet to have my film made. All that happened oh. here is a man had a bad day at work, didn't kill people. I don't kill people most days. And suddenly it's a film with Tom Hanks. It's a feel-good story, pal. Uh, didn't make it me is. feel good. Well... Well, it wouldn't make you feel good because you wanted to watch whatever it was. I was watching Secret Army. Yes, that would have done nicely. Oh, that would have done. Fantastic. But, then, but yes. then, of course, it comes to about 11 o'clock and suddenly there's this bizarre on the buses moment. Mm. So that was a strange one, wasn't it? Because on well, it's the an buses, ITV comedy for a kickoff. It's LWT, to be precise. Yes, absolutely. Not, not your line of country, I would have thought, but definitely well, mine. Absolutely. Now, this is the strange thing, because I can only recall seeing one episode of On the Buses once, and that was at my nan's house. Whereas now, I've said was before, it we... the films or was it the series? No, no, it was an episode. It was hmm. definitely an episode, because when I remember Granada, the laughter track. Granada yes. repeated them on a Friday tea time. So what you add is, I'd say around about 1985 or six. That would tie repeated... They repeated the films one summer, and it was weird. I mean, I was really obsessed with them. I had a video recorder by then. We've told the tale of how I got a video recorder many times. We don't need to go over that. So I had a video, so I taped all the films. Right. And wore the tapes out, literally. Now, this is pre-internet, but what obviously happened was when they re-showed the films, it started a bit of an on-the-buses revival. Okay, so 1988, I think, you can watch it on YouTube. There's a Wogan where they get all the cast back together. That's right, yes. And they were going to make a return series. They were going to make a new On the Buses series. That's it, yes. Didn't happen, did it? It didn't happen. Now, there's a great On the Buses website, probably still. There Mm. used to be, at any rate. And I remember them telling the story of why it didn't happen. Right. However... In the run-up to the series that never happened, Granada, and probably all the regions, started to repeat on the buses on a Friday tea time, which is where you'll have seen that episode. Round about 88, 89. Around about there, that would be right. So I saw this one episode, and that was it. However, in the last couple of weeks, of course, disaster has befallen the uh, television archive world, which is the collapse of uh, network, uh, Network DVD, who have released... Everything you could possibly imagine. I mean, I can't think of a title where I've gone, oh, they haven't released that yet. I, I could try hard and, fi- and maybe I'd I, be able to think of something. I would say Network, as far as Archive TV 
is concerned are what the Americans might refer to as the tip of the spear. I approve of this America. Of the vanguard. Right. Yeah. No, I approve of that. So yeah. Network released everything. You know, oh, um, somewhere I've got a, I've got a Pipkins uh, box set because of Network, for example. And Everything. all the other mad stuff you mentioned to me that no one's heard of. What? what like, you know the, that they've released? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, there like, is so, so much. niche. Yeah, so incredibly. Well, I, I can't think of another company who ever would have thought what we need to put out there into the public is a 700-episode box set of Crossroad. <laughs> I approve. Um it's got a I massive fan base, though. It might be it, kitsch, but it's got a huge fan base. Well, it, it does, but on the other hand, I disapprove of the fact that I didn't buy two of them because they're going for 600 quid on eBay now. Yeah, but that, that that's not your character. You're not that man, are you? No, I'm not. Mm. Uh, whenever it's happened, I think, oh, I should have... Then I think, well, no. No, oh, I, I hate those people. I hate but, those people who buy gig tickets. Oh, and, and then sell them all this, for a massive Oh, profit. come on, man. No. Do you know what I mean? Leave them for people who love them. I think what I mean is I'd like £600. Well, that'll come. You know, I've told you what to do. Law of Assumption, Neville Goddard. Oh, Noel Edmonds and his fist. I know, I know. Anyway. Anyway, your pockets are are soon to be lined. That's true, actually. So I'm not going to not going to moan too much, you know. Things are going nicely. However, so network collapsed, and of course now there's a massive sudden panic, isn't there, of, oh, God, how do we get hold of these things? And the prices are going up and up and up. And last night, at about (laughs) ten past eleven or so, I suddenly had a panic, and I thought, I don't own on the buses. A sudden panic. So I went onto the sex website, and there it is. There's the box set for £20. And so I WhatsApped you and said got on the buses but then suddenly you were like oh, on the buses oh, and and you're going for it you as reminded well. me how much i love on the buses i mean yeah. by the way this week has also seen me put up a new shelf oh it has yes right this took all day now you may be able to see it i don't know if people can hang on mm. but in there we've got two oh there's just two i've grabbed the wrong two actually give me a second okay. we want that one mm. Right. Okay. Because that was bought thanks yes. to watching on the buses. Oh, I see. As was right. this other one. Okay, here we go. Back we go. And from the shelf of delights. Okay, so what you've got there yep. is you've got the standard London Route Master. Yeah. All right. Which now they're red in the On the Buses films. Mm. I'm sure that when they. Whatever focus groups were back then. No, there were no focus groups. They just got a bunch of cheap red buses, didn't they? Mm. That, that'll be it. That's, that's all it'll be. But in the series, the green. Yes. I didn't know this when I bought this. That's the only route master I could get. Okay. Right. And on the side is a Pentel advert. Click on the draw. There you go. Don't know if that shows up. Anyway, oh, yeah. the other one, because I don't know about you, but where I grew up, there was a news agent who had a window full of yellowing toys that hadn't sold forever. For example, I got a Palatoy Dalek out of there. Mm, uh, yes. That had been in there years and obviously hadn't sold. And in one of these yellowing boxes in his window of toys that had never sold was a Matchbox Royal Wedding bus. Oh, wow. Right, now there is a button on it somewhere. No, there isn't. I've imagined the button. Anyway, the doors the doors kind of don't open and close because I thought there was a wee button on it. Mm. Which Royal that. Wedding? Is it Charles and Di? Or yeah. Ah, talking... oh, right, not Anne and uh, Thingy. No. No, right. so that had been in the window for, and it goes to St Paul's Cathedral for about five years when I bought it. That's a Leyland Atlantean, 
right? When they did away with conductors, you see there's doors at the front. Oh, yes. Yeah. However, the route master, because they had conductors, driver isolated. Oh. So Stan would have gone here. Yeah. And Jack would have stood there. Now, here's the thing. Yeah. My dad, back in the 60s, he was Jack. That was his job. And the the way that he basically got together with my mum was that the bus would always be pretty full by the time they went past where my mum worked. She worked for Crossville. Um, and the bus would be pretty much empty. And my dad would lean out from the back, put his hand out, and just go, whoof, and just lift me and mum on to, uh, through, the, through the doors on the back. Fantastic. Isn't that lovely? And he's That's still like some out of... He's, he's still got the ticket machine, at, with, and it lovely. still works. It's oh, it's lovely. I must ask if I can borrow that to show everyone. It's a lovely thing that. Was but, that lovely uh, scene in the credits for the um, for the on the buses film or the second one, mm. Mutiny on? I can't remember which. Where people are getting off and giving Jack shillings, and he's and he's just rolling the ticket machine. That's and it. then when everyone's off and no one's took a ticket, he rolls them all back in the machine, and yep. then there's a shot of the be- uh, betting shop, and he's into the betting shop. Oh. I mean, the thing is that Jack, Bob Grant, was such an unlikely sex symbol. Oh, God. But he actually was. Mm. He actually was. Yeah, absolutely. The massive teeth, the hook nose, and you think, why? But he was charismatic, wasn't he? God, he was. He was. And he was an incredibly intelligent man in real life as well. And I think. Well, we've discussed it before, haven't we? We have. That intelligence, I think, that comes through in the performance as well. The the whole thing. I mean. With with the John Littlewood Theatre School, obviously, mm. you've got mm. Bob Grant, you've got Stephen Lewis, you've got Anna Karen. Yes. You know, you've got all these people who've come through from what was, like, literally fringe theatre. You it. know, the, cut, the tip of the spear, dear yeah, boy. absolutely. Absolutely. Of the British theatre scene. Yes. And then, so I that... know, well, here's a good idea, let's put them all in a sitcom. Yeah. What? All right, that's great. Brilliant. Why not? And it's that lovely thing as well, isn't it? Around that time when they stopped having sitcoms purely for comedians, because obviously you've got Hancock's Half Hour comedian. But then it's around. Is it about sixty one, sixty two, and you start to get Hank, uh, you start to get Steptoe mm. rather, where they're looking for actors who can play comedy rather than comedians who can act. And I think yeah. that that really does make such a massive difference. It's a huge difference, really, isn't massive. it? Massive. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but you've got your on the buses, haven't you? I have, because uh, my local sex shop, I, I did the usual search that one does when you're buying on there, in the mm. hope that the <coughs> local has one in. And there we are, my On The Buses box set. Oh, look at that. Now, by the way, right, this was 20 quid. Because mm. you said, get one now, and I just obeyed. Yes. Um, I was in the Barney the Bus fan club, by the way, with Mersey Merseyside Transport. I wrote to them. Yeah. And I said, oh, I'm so into buses. And like mm. I said to you, sorry, the point I was making about me taping them films and being obsessed and, mm. you know, buying toy buses and all that other business. What I found out 12 months later with the Wogan and the repeats, it wasn't just me because we're kind of isolated, especially as children, but, yeah, but we're, yeah, yeah. we're isolated pre-internet and stuff. Mm. So this, this sort of fervor that had swept over me was a phenomena that mm. so many people had bought into that they were going to make a new series etc etc anyway that box set that's 20 quid second hand in the sex shop is 19.95 on amazon yes does that include delivery yes and brand new Uh, so my second hand copy is four pounds more in total (laughs) 
Four quid more? Oh, are you getting delivery? Mm. Yes. But the picture on the website, it's disingenuous. Is it? The picture on the sex website is of that 62 quid bastard. Yeah, that's right. On Amazon. And it's not... Well, you might. You might. Because I think it's look of the draw with them, isn't it? I think it is to an extent. Yeah, I think it is. However, of course, we get the on the buses phenomenon, but then there's immediate payback, isn't there? Because you went, oh, I've bought 1990. Yes. And, and before you could say you should buy it, click. Oh, I've got to have it with your wife's account. Well, you know, these. Oh, dear. But uh, nevertheless, <laughs> it's arrived. Oh, oh your, yours st- arrived. No. Oh, what happens if your van breaks down and catches fire? I think I've got, as we'll find out as we go through, I think I've got enough to do before I get to 1990. But it, it struck me because, honest to God, you know, after Callan. Because, oh, look at that. It's like a freshly bought box of Ben's fresh hedges. Are you there, Mother? Yes, I'm here. Hello. Ah, it's my earphones. Um, So, when Callan finished, I I even bought the movie, disappointing, do not bother. Mm. Um, But I was considering moving on. There were two choices I was going to make. So I was either going to watch The Equalizer, mm. believe it or not, which mm. is Callan in America, yeah. or the Bin Man thing, Callan as Muck. Oh, no. And then, last night, I was because I've been watching things on the hard drive. I know you don't approve. I know no. it's beautiful. And it's such a great series. Oh, it's so good. I was going to watch things on the hard drive, and as I went through the folders on the hard drive, fuck, why didn't I think 1990? Mm. Never mind, Callan... To America. Never no. mind Callan as Muck. Yeah. 1990. Oh. Of course it's got to be 1990. 1990, of course. Well, it's set it, excuse me, set in 1990. Was it shot in 78 and 79, I think? Or yeah, around that point. Um, and it's basically, it's a dystopian uh, look into the then very near future. Well, it's six years on from Orwell's 1984, isn't it? Yes. It's yeah. in that continuum. So 1984 has happened and was still in the world he created in that book. They must have had to do some deal, I'm guessing. Oh, very probably. I mean, God knows. I mean, I, I had to deal with the with the estate of, of George Orwell and God, God, they protect that work. Quite rightly. Quite mm-hmm. rightly, I must say. Um, but if you want to work with George Orwell's stuff, my God, they are all over it and they are... Finickety is the wrong word because that makes it sound as though they're being almost peculiar about it. They aren't. They are just really, really protective of his work. But my God, I, I understand that. Um, but this is just wonderful. Look at that for a spine. Oh, the complete fourteen ninety five. That's like just take my money. Then it is. It is. And the, the terrible thing for the boys and girls watching is, of course, when you went on to buy it, there were two copies left. Yeah, and I got that one. So yeah. Hmm. And yeah. how many discs? I'm guessing four. Four discs, two per series. Uh, two for series one, two for series two. Um, uh, the, the discs are very nice. You've got Woodward, uh, you've got Barbara Kellerman, you've got Robert Lang. I love oh, Robert Lang's voice. Robert Lang. Oh, he's got such a good voice. Um, and Lisa Harrow on, on the discs there. So, um, any features on it? I didn't even look. It was just like, I have to own it. None whatsoever. But then... 
it's it's not easy, I suppose, coming up with features for a cast like this. I mean, certainly by the time this was released in 2017, Robert Lang was dead. Yeah. Um, Wood was obviously dead. Uh, Barbara Kellerman was dead. Um, and the woman in it who's sort of Barbara like... Barbara Kellerman. It, uh, but, and the other woman who plays it a bit Thatchery. Um, who yeah. Yeah. She's also Isabel something, and she's in the Quatermass experiment. You know, she's got some lineage, and this is the last thing that she did before she died. So none of the cast are knocking about, so it must be quite difficult to come up with things, uh, to, with extras. And well, something like curious happened when I went to collect my on the buses. Yeah. Didn't it? Did it? Yeah. What so aside it? from co costing me five pence more than a brand new copy last night <laughs> with your midnight... On the buses frenzy. It was a panic. It was a real sudden, oh, I don't own it. This was on the shelf. It in, was. In the sex shop. Now, oh dear. it's Doctor Who season 24, the collection. Mm. It's Sylvester McCoy. Mm. But mm. as she was going through the on the buses thing, I just it was behind on the shelf. And I actually walked away from the counter. So it was behind on the shelf, you know, stuff people had obviously just flogged. Yeah. And they hadn't put out yet. And I said, oh, is that... I'd walked away from the counter. It's like, no, step away. 1990s in the post. Yes. On the buses, that's safe. Yeah. Right? You don't need anything else. Yes. Right? As, as we'll discover, I've got enough shit to watch. Yes. This is you. This is all you. It's so it's like... So she shows it me. She said, no, it's for sale. 25 quid. And I was like, right, I'll take a photo of it to see if my friend wants it. Yes. I was not prepared to admit... I was going to buy, well, Doctor Who full stop, but Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> I had my Ray-Bans on. I was being cool. Oh, well, yes, absolutely. With me on the buses. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that, obviously that was for a grandparent. Right. As I'm far too cool and straight and hard to, to buy such things. Anyway. Yes. I took a photo of it, sent it to you. Yes. I said, look, uh, let's see what he if he wants it or not. Yes. It's not for me. Ooh, no. She knew it was for me. <laughs> of course she knew. I said, can you hold it for five minutes? Oh. <laughs> um, that would make a good gag for uh, Jimmy Jewell, I think. It would. Um, and I went homeless bargains for a wander round. Give yes. you a chance to respond. Yes. Took you a while. Yes. Well, three minutes. Well, um, can I know we just you've got a life, some, Paul. No, no, can we just give this some context? Yes, you messaged me on WhatsApp. And I, whilst I'm walking the dog, and I'm like, oh, Mike's message. And then suddenly I get a text as well that says, send you a WhatsApp, urgent advice required. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't think I sent that, but, you know. <laughs> it was the hubbub in Homeless Bargains, that's Right, all. okay. Um, and I decided anyway I was buying it. And do yep. you know what? I have to admit, I don't know why, mm. right? But for some reason, buying that has mm. given me so much pleasure today. Oh. I have no idea why it's it's reminiscent of that feeling I've told you about when so Virgin in St. Helens it was one Friday afternoon mm. and it was pissing down and I went in there and they had a load of uh, they had the whole key to time mm. at two ninety nine a chuck on VHS oh. but the Virgin stickers were over the top of Tesco stickers for nine ninety nine. you know what I mean it was yeah. they'd obviously bought a shit ton off Tesco mm-hmm and they were knocking them out at two ninety nine each, and so that afternoon, for about eighteen quid, you can do the maths. Mm. I, I got the whole of the key to time, and went home. It was raining. I had a quarter of really, really nice weed, mm. and I just sat there afternoon, got really stoned, gas oh. fire on, dog, key to time. 
And and this feels like that did. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely understand. I mean, it is without a doubt the worst season of Doctor Who the BBC produced. It's dreadful. There's there's so much wrong with it. It's pure panto. It's yeah. kitsch. Uh, mm. McCoy doesn't know what he's doing. It's cheap. Um, they they've been told you've got to alter it. That's great thing. Just alter it. Make it different. Well, how do you want us to alter it? Just different. So they they don't know what the style should be. And it's strange because two years later they produce one of the finest seasons that they ever do. Season twenty four, however, it is cack. But the extras on that, mate. Oh, mm. I had decided to buy it anyway, but I needed to have someone to blame it on. Absolutely. Uh, to be honest, but I yeah. mean, it's in remarkably good nick. It is. It's in very good. I mean, why? Why would you flog that? I mean, what kind of people sell things in the sex well, shop? I mean, well, there is that, but also because it is, it's a collector's item, isn't it? And yeah. something that you only get. Uh, I don't know what that is. Dog something pube. You, something like that. Uh, something that you only buy if you're really into it. So, could it be the person's died? Uh, well, yes. One always has that thought. Certainly, well, with the on the buses, you can sort of guess that. Well, I mean. There was that thing, wasn't there? Just after the, all the COVID stuff, when all of a sudden there was loads of nice stuff in charity shops. And I think, oh, hurrah, this is rather... Oh, oh dear, I think this might be a dead person's. But I'm not averse to a dead person's property, as you it's know. It's what they would have wanted. It's exactly what they would have it wanted. It is. Yeah. So, I think we've both finished, in the last mm. couple of weeks, Colditz. Colditz. Wonderful. Magnificent series. Magnificent. Absolutely stunning. It's an interesting series, and it's a universal co-production. Uh, and the BBC are doing a fair few of those in the early 70s. Yeah. But I think the key thing, the, the main thing about it, and the reason it's a universal co-production, is so they could hire a couple of, couple of big names, and those are Robert Wagner and yeah. David McCallum, who in series one are the two most irritating characters in it. Yeah, I mean, Robert Wagner comes back with a beard. That's an improvement. That is an improvement. Robert McCallan isn't cardboard in this. I think the limp helped him. I think it possibly did. I think what helps is in that first series, McCallum is the star of the show. And I've never, mm. I don't quite understand why, because he's not the most charismatic of actors. But he's done Man from Uncle, so they've got. He's on the most money. Uh, he's on definitely on the most one. He's top billing, or or is is it Wagner top billing and then McCallum? It's both of them, isn't it? Starring it and then be... it's with with everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think what you've got there is this interesting thing where they've they've got to make use of them in series two. It feels like much more of an ensemble piece. Mm. You you just don't you don't have that same sort of thing. I think series two it also looks as though there's not quite the same amount of money being sent, uh, spent on it. And that shows up in the film sequences shot outside. And it's nothing to do with the set. It's the same set. It's just the film cameras were getting a bit knackered by that point. Because these are the same 16mm cameras that the BBC have been using for about 20 years. Well, there's plenty point. of uh, big crane shots and stuff. Oh, so, and you know. why is that? That is down to Adolf and not Hitler. That's no. down to Adolf Arthur Englander, which is a wonderful name, known as Tubby, uh, to his mate Brilliantly, no, Adolf Englander. That's... Adolf Englander, um, who was a film cameraman for the BBC. He worked on the Quatermass in the Pit. He did a few Doctor Who's. He does cold it, and his work is absolutely beautiful. That's a man who knows how to maximise the TV screen 
with film. I, he's stunning. And he could have kept going. But then, of course, it got to 1974. And at the BBC, when you turn 60, you're out, retired. That was right. it. Um, but he then went on to write books about the technique of using film cameras for television inserts. So these books are totally useless now. But I've got one somewhere, and I must get it for next week. It's just, it's a lovely book, mate. Oh, it's... It's gorgeous. What a series. Who's the guy, the pockmarked Australian actor? Oh. Come on, dear. You're usually good with these. Hang on. Hang on. Ray Barrett. Ray Barrett. Ray Barrett. That's a Ray fantastic Barrett. episode, isn't it? Ray was Barrett. It Ace, it's not Ace in the Hole, is it? That's the one beforehand. Yeah, that's the one with... That's Ian McCulloch, Ace in the yeah. Hole, isn't it? And oh. he's stunning in that. Ian McCulloch um, goes on to take a lead in Survivors, of course, and this episode of Cold It's that he is in is directed by Terence Dudley, who then goes on to produce Survivors. And you can see that he obviously saw this performance and went, him. I'm keeping him. He's fantastic in that. Oh, he's that, brilliant. That, that spiel at the end. Isn't it something like seven minutes, that it's scene? It's a seven-minute-long scene where, you know, and he with the cigarette in McCallum's eye and all that business, but it's a seven-minute-long scene. These days, that would be at least 14 scenes. One scene, seven minutes, the intensity. And it's one take. There's no editing there. There's not a single edit point. That is just oh, beautiful stuff. That episode. I love it at the end when uh, dancing around, not spoiling things here, because mm. I think a fair few of our viewers would, will possibly go away and watch this. Oh, they have to watch, you have to uh, watch Cold It's. At the end, when Hepton and uh, Meyer and whatnot are all stood there, it's like in the courts, they're just waiting for a bus, aren't they? Yeah. And it's not done it, it, because there's such a slow build up allowed. Mm. in this series because it develops so slowly and it's beautifully unraveled for you. Mm. Um, the whole um, balance of power shifts very gradually over the last four episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, why they didn't do a series with Anthony Valentine as Moan on the run is beyond me. Or at least exploit it. Yes. Because you don't want him to just get away scot-free to Argentina, do you? You want you want that guy to get... I love that. Let's try not to spoil it. You know where he's sucking up to them? Yes. He's been in the cafe, hasn't he? Yes. And he's obviously right. got a local woman's his lover and her brother's telling him that... And it's, it's sort of... We're seeing that Germany's being flattened and yeah. the Eastern Front's falling apart. And then um, Hepton's son is killed. Yes. You know, so it's slowly but surely Germany's being destroyed in the background mm. whilst we've got all these other power players going on. But anyway, and it, we're allowed that very slow handover of power. And there's a real thrill of a moment where Hepton officially, because what we like, what chaps like, mm. is things done by the book. Yes, we do. And we like the Germans and the English saluting each other and all the other business. Yes. We like that. Yes. It's got to be order. There's a sort of. Even though war is fucking horrible, mm. and but th- there's some honour with these officers because they're not they're not the rank and file. The likes of you and me, no. the sappers. Mm. These are all uh, bought chaps. They yes. all they all kind of have the same culture in a way, don't they? They all went to posh schools and uh, oh yeah, I spent my summers in Oxford and and shit well, like that. There's absolutely all that. yeah. So they've got that sort of shared uh, respect for each other. And mm. when he formally hands over the camp to the uh, American and to Hepton. Mm. Uh, 
to Jack Headley. Yeah. It's, it's oh, it's makes one brittle that moment. It does. Oh, it's it's beautifully done. It's absolutely it's beautifully a done. The, the perf- burn to it as well. Yeah, but the, I'm the performance in the Hans Meyer. Oh. Now let's talk about Hans Meyer. There's a man who looks like an Easter Island statue. Fantastic. He looks terrifying, but the nuance with that character that it it's just perfectly done. And then, of course, as as we both discovered around the same time, he was in fact was he a teacher mm-hmm. uh, in real life who was then seconded to be head of security at Colditz. Yeah. And of course, I suppose that's the other thing that we rarely think of. When you think in terms of World War II and you're, you're faced with the, the faceless enemy, well, it's just teachers and people like that. Well, he was based on a real guy who yeah. wrote a book after the war. That's right, yeah. It's out of I can't, print, I checked. I can't think of his name. Do you want me to look? Mm. What was he called I'm, in... Uh... So let's just see. Hans Meyer. I think Colditz. I just got it by putting head of security Colditz. But yeah, he wrote a book uh, which uh, looks just absolutely magnificent. And yeah. I can't find it anywhere. Um, but as a performance, I mean, not only is the fact that it's a stunning performance, but this is an actor performing in his second language because the actor's actually French, of course. Oh, so, he's South African. So, was he South African? South African. Oh no, he says French. He says in the bloody obituary he was South African. But he was actually French. I didn't know he was French. Yeah, yeah. And he died in in 2012 in in France, yeah. His German accent's impeccable. As you say, second language for a kickoff. Yeah, Reinhold Eggers. That's it, yes. Who spent 10 years in a gulag because the Soviets took his bit over. Yes, that's right. Of Germany. mm. And. And I suppose that's the tragedy of it, of it, it really, isn't it? When it comes to war, you've got people like that who would have been forced and coerced into it. Who knows? Did they want to be there? I imagine not. I imagine he would have been well, quite happy said, just Well, it says on his wiki, Reinhold Eggers, he sort of treated it like a school. Yeah. Yeah. And they were, oh, come on, boy. Well, no, come along, boys. Yes. And all that stuff. But he, he treated it like a school. Like a school. Yeah, but the, to then end up with the same punishment meted out, except for the ones who, of course, buggered off to Argentina and got away with it. And I think that's where I think that it's good that we don't see what happened to Valentine because we have to assume, we have to assume, and the chances are he would have had a nice time with Dr. Mengler and died in about 1978 while swimming in a beautiful ocean or something like that. You can see and- Anthony Valentine in the trunks, can't you, tanned? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. You absolutely can. But it's a fantastic series. Oh. Oh, it's stunningly good stuff. Brilliant. Brilliant. And the fact that, as you pointed out, there's a two-year gap between the productions is actually quite... Wow. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Presumably that's to get more cash to pay for McCallum again. Um, Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, it's... uh, Recommend that series to Well, Bernard Hepton... Led to you making me. Sp- I've just forgot you made me spend fifteen quid earlier this week. Ooh, what's that on? Robin Redbreast. Yes, I did make you. And I could have got it for ninety nine p on Prime. Yeah, you could if you were common and you didn't want to actually own it. Ooh, and you wouldn't get the lovely extra, which is all about the English quintessential country village, showing you life in the nineteen thirties. That's lovely. That's yeah. lovely. And the interview with the writer. I don't think that'll That's be on Amazon nice. Prime. Yes, it's all nice. That's nice. He's a very interesting guy, the writer. 
He is. It's fascinating. Yeah. fascinating. All the stuff of uh, I love it how people make scripts and write screenplays or whatever it may be, and they just sort of they're like stamp collecting in their lives. It's like oh, I just bought this new house, the house that's featured in it. Mm. There'd been a murder in the village where I bought it, which was notorious. Yeah, which had been um, ritualistic, and the blood mm. had been uh, scattered on the farmland. That's it. Yeah. So that it's, was interesting. Oh, it really is. And I love the fact that it was due to be made as, was it going to be a, a for, for one anthology series? And the director went, oh, no, was, I don't want that sort of thing. So it was going to be part of Dead of Night, wasn't it? That's right. And, and the they thing said they no. didn't like was the birth control thing. That's right. That's Can't have any of that right. sort of thing. Because she, uh, she had a Dutch cap, didn't she? Which is stolen yeah. as part of the plot so that she has to become pregnant. So they didn't like that. So no, we don't want that. So he goes next door to play for today, literally into the next office. Well, and the goes, story he tells, mm-hmm. which is not the story that's online, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm with John Ford, print the legend. Mm. The story that, is it John Browning, Bowing, Bowning? What's he called? The, John Bowen. John Bowen. Oh, Bowen. Oh, Jim John Bowen. Bowen. John, yeah. hey, look what you could have gone. Um, the story he tells is that, is it Jim McTaggart or something? The, yes. Director? The legend McTaggart. Right, is that uh, correct? Yeah. yeah, all right, we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, well, the story he tells in the interview is that he was walking past the room. Mm. What's all this going on in here? <laughs> Goes in there. He said, it's this script. He looks at it. I'll make it. Mm-hmm. Walks down the hall to the play for, to the play for Today office. That's the story John Bowen tells in the interview. And, and the thing is, I believe that. Well, yeah. I, mean, I absolutely believe it. Why would he lie? It? Yeah, well, I mean, we are talking about it's it's that lovely thing in telly at the time where you could just go in, you know, as the Pythons and go, we want to make a series. What's it about? Oh, we don't know. All right, 13. Yeah, that sort of thing. They were quite or- established. I think that because of constraints of time, because it was mm-hmm. made on the cheap, Yes, the Harvest Festival scene where we see the straw dolly on the altar, and that's it's all the visual clues for what's going on. What's going on here? Yeah. Um, <laughs> all the visual clues are in there. Um, yeah. And unwittingly, due to time and cost constraints, I think the BBC invented a lot of hauntology there. Oh, because God, that yeah. whole scene is just stills. Yes. With with sound. That's right, yeah. That whole scene. And I watched it and I was quite transfixed by that. It was just mm. like, That's it. wow, this it's is blocks. really interesting. Yeah, mm. blocks of sound and blocks of picture. You know, mm. which, so you, it's mesmeric. For a bloody, uh, really pivotal scene. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no acting in it. There's no dialogue. No. I have a lot of like images. That. Yeah. All right. Okay, so we've got to make our own mind up. Fair play. No, absolutely. I think that's a brilliant way to do it. I think, I think it's, it's a stunning It's only because they couldn't afford the crew. Oh, God, of course. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but isn't it. that wonderful? I've bought a house. Do you want to make a film in it? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's bloody genius. And Bernard Hepton in it. <sighs> Ooh. Bernard Hepton, two years before he does Colditz, of course. I mean, the man was a legend. The yeah. man's a legend. But then again, you know, Hepton, of course, has got this remarkable career going from theatre into television as a director and a producer for BBC Two. He, he directs uh, Compact, which is one of the early BBC soap operas set in the ladies' magazine starring Ronnie Allen. So he's the director on that. Stunning the next- this, isn't it? It, it's just remarkable career that he had. Prolific. Run, running theatres? Yes. Like big ones? Oh, God, yeah. Didn't he come to Liverpool to do the Playhouse? Uh, he was. He was uh, managing director of the Playhouse. What? I um, mean... Uh, 
And he was only there for a while, wasn't he? Because he fell out with management. Oh, yeah, because, six months he did. Yeah, that was because of the, the idea of, no, you shouldn't just have one national But we're talking we about an theater. actor. Yeah. Well, a oh, fantastic God, yeah. actor. But, I mean, it just doesn't fit, does it, with our modern perception of what an actor is? No, not really. It doesn't, sadly. Um, it doesn't at all. Uh, that's a real pity that it doesn't. Um, and at this point, now we're talking about Robin Redbreast, I'm going to recommend a series to you. You Great. don't have to buy it. I probably do, but go on. You don't? I don't think you can. And it's oh. currently on. It's a brand new series. Right? I know. This is right? off-brand for you, dear. Isn't it? Right? So this was recommended, uh, and I thought, no. Um, because on the face of it, what it is, is it's a, a modern-day sitcom. Um the dog's eating plastic. I might have to ask for a quick break to... Stanley! <laughs> Come here! Come here! Oh, what are you doing? Give me it. You bugger. Um, good boy. Um, anyway, so uh, it's a modern-day sitcom. Um, it's so obviously no laughter track or anything like that. Very off-brand. It's, uh, it's female-led. Uh, starring Bridget Christie, who is Stuart Lee's wife. And it's about... Uh, and, and this is where you'd think, well, what are you watching this for? It's about a woman going through the menopause, right? Mm. But it's a folk horror. It's wow. a folk horror. It was shot uh, last summer, uh, throughout the summer, in the Forest of Dean. And it basically is Robin Redbreast. But imagine if Robin Redbreast, the slant on that, was not fertility, but was in fact the menopause. It's brilliant. And again, unlike me, I demolished the series in about two nights. What's it called? It's called The Change. Okay. It's on cha uh, Channel 4, so you can get it uh, Channel 4 OD or whatever. Six episodes. And it's got the festival in it. It's got the way it is shot, mate. The, the, oh, the patina. It's mm -hmm. it's pure folk horror, but in a modern day contemporaneous sitcom, it's it's genius. It's honestly it's 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 actually worth watching. It's the first thing that has been produced in about the last ten years where I've got to the end of a series and I've got more, want more of that. Mm. Um, and I hope there'll be a second series. I'll, f uh, I'll find it and I shall watch it. It's honestly it's it's worth a look. It's not a sitcom full of gags that just has you laughing all the time. Hmm. You know, it's a, it's situation comedy, but it's good That stuff. sounds like a heady brew, all of that. Oh, the, the way that it is shot in the Forest of Dean, and it's got one of the Jerome people, you know, Willis and Jerome, the soldier-soldier, what's his name? He oh, was in right, Game Robson of and Jerome. The, the, it's got the Jerome fella in it. Right. And he's brilliant in it. I mean, oh, there's just, there's actually too much to recommend it. Um, it's uh, it wow. uh, take my hat off to the makers of that. It's brilliant. I'm going to recommend that wholeheartedly. I loved every minute of it. Very well, stunning stuff. I'm sold. Oh, I'm sold. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Robin Redbreast. There we go. Yeah. Fantastic. Anyway, um, I believe there's been uh, something else released in the shops this. Oh, also got this. Oh, that. <laughs> I wasn't going to say this. that. Go on. Stephen Gallagher's uh, retelling of Warriors Gate. Yeah, so Which, is that the second time the book's been out? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it came out originally, didn't it, as just the straight Target paperback. Mm. Um, but that's new. That's that new. is new. Yeah, it is but, new. But I was going to say, haven't there been a couple of things released in the shops? 
There have been some incredible releases this week. So from the Viv- Vivian Stanchel. So we have Dog Howl in Tune, mm-hmm. which is uh, 11 unreleased songs of his. You've got yours. Yeah. There we go. I've got mine here. There, there we, we go. Uh, as the sticker on the front says, the lost masterpiece available for the first time. And it is a masterpiece. Oh, it's um, absolutely. It's just... Mr. Frizzell has done an incredible job with some... Phew, interesting recordings yeah very interesting very checkered history Uh, yeah they do have an interesting history but also i think the fact that when you listen to this album and then of course that time when i was with you in the studio um i was able to hear a bit of the raw footage of what was being worked Mm. with poor to have to have turned that into this album i mean it's he's done a brilliant piece of work absolutely but as, ju- um, as an album, it stands up brilliant. Have you got a favourite track on it? I have. <clears throat> um, just for uh, only being myself is my favourite. It's it's a real hooker that it'll have you on about the fifth listen. It's so honest. Yeah. Um, Andy Mail, who did the piece in the Guardian this week, because mm. Andy's a fantastic writer, obviously, mm. uh, and he told an amazing story in it. Um, and he included quotes from Andy Frizz saying, you know, there were MIDI drums, there were because the, the tracks were effectively demos yeah. uh, that were produced for Warners in the 90s in order to, you know, um, prove to Rob Dickens, mm. the guy at Warners who was a big fan of Viv, which is the reason why he got the contract, to prove to Rob that um, I'm doing something, I suppose, you yeah, know, and it yeah. is coming along, you know. And he was, I mean, there's potentially a a third and a fourth album yet there's Mm. that much material you know one of the things people for some reason don't associate with viv is just how prolific and productive he was yeah there's always those lazy comparisons isn't there to peter cork or to hancock whoever it may be oh it's a wasted wasted talent bullshit yes um, and he was wasted quite a lot of the time. Yes. You know? um, there's no denying that. That's on the record. Uh, but he was incredibly productive. And as well as that, we have uh, the the closing, the final chapters of Rawlinson End, oh. called Rawlinson's End, uh, which mm. is the one I did. Yeah. Um, and I'm very, very pleased with how they're both being received, oh. I have to say. Yeah. I um, have to say I'm incredibly happy. Uh, you should be. You should be so proud. I'm proud of you for this album, dear. Well, thank I, you. Dear. I really am. This is a stunning piece of work. I also, I, I take my hat off to whichever printing press has been uh, actually mm. released these because the sound quality is stunning. It's brilliant. Well, there were a few uh, reasons for that. Mm. So when I was making it at first, I, I managed to get it down to an hour and eight. Mm. And I was speaking to Richard at the label, and I was like, I know you need an hour for vinyl, I know you need an hour for vinyl. And he said, no, 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 no. He's like, "Mm, you want about 20, 25 minutes aside. Mm. So it was kind of like, really? Because the original album comes in at 54 minutes, Mm. so it's 27 minutes aside. Pressing plants these days are so spoiled for work, and they want their vinyl to sound the best. <clears throat> so they would pr- rather you kept uh, the sa- one side of an album to around about 18, 19 minutes. Uh, okay. They don't want to push the fidelity right. to the limit, which is what yeah. they did in the 70s. They just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, get an half hour each side. Mm. Um, so he just said, make it a double. Mm. So I was able to reinstate a lot of the material I'd taken out. Both albums are based upon um, 
so John Meginson, after Viv died, uh, in a statement, wrote down track listings mm. and a basic outline for where Viv was heading with the new Rollinson End album. Mm. So, uh, as it's subtitled, The Further Adventures of Sir Henry, um, that was that was the idea for it. He, he specified which Peel sessions Viv was going to redo. Mm-hmm. And after <coughs> I'd... Um, edited the two long sections of narration that were in the archive that he'd gone away and recorded mm. we had the second of the four albums done mm. uh, sorry the second of the two albums sides mm. three and four were done so thanks to doing the show for 10 years or whatever it was thanks to doing that I mean Richard said to me at the start which I just brushed off at the start he said well no one else <coughs> can do this job mm. and I was just like well it's very flattering thank you however he's right and that's because of well, because of you making me learn it. Yeah, I knew how it flowed. So yeah, I, knew, yeah, yeah. I knew we had the ending. Mm. It was then a case of going back to look at the Peel sessions and what the story was that was culminating mm. in the ending that we had. And so in the Peel sessions, there was the story about the uh, dinosaur egg that cracks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in the stuff we've got, there is a dinosaur. So we need that. Yeah, we need this. And then as luck would have it of the two Peel sessions that we really needed, the BBC had kept one of them in separate narration and music elements. Mm. Great. So I can I can edit that, I can remove that bit, I can do that, you know what I mean? And I don't have to worry about the music bed hindering. Yeah, me. yeah. And then in the other case, uh, the other Peel session, in Viv's own archive, on a little tape, not a cassette tape, um, like a reel-to-reel thing, like a centimetre wide. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever they are, I don't know, you know all this shit. Um, that Peel session... So just quarter-inch tape, that would yeah, be? Yeah, Whoa. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He Lovely. had that with a load of extra dialogue on it mm. that the BBC obviously either didn't want or they cut for time or something like that. Mm. So both albums are full of new stuff. Yeah. So I'm delighted. About it. But the track listing on Dog Howl, again, is John Meginson's list. These yeah. are the songs we're going to do. So... It's not a case of we arbitrarily decided, oh, I know what would make a good album. Not at all. No. This is stuff that uh, Viv's musical director relayed from Viv. Yeah. This was Viv's plan. That's wonderful. So, fantastically, we were able to do that. We were able to, you know, um, stick with fidelity to what he wanted. Mm. And that just makes it all the better. And and I've got to say, aside from those chances... Um, of God, I mean the the tape that was found in the bottom of a filing cabinet the guy bought from an auction in 1990 he it was from an advertising agency the bottom drawer was full of cassettes mm. that people had sent in you know try this music on Timothy or try whatever yeah. and out of those I don't know what does the bottom drawer of a filing cabinet hold 100 150 cassettes mm. Neil Dell who bought it um, he knew Viv's work so when he come across the tape that said Rawlinson Ruddles on it, he actually knew what that, the significance of that. Mm. So if someone else had bought it, that would have gone in the skip. Oh, God, yeah. So on that tape, it plugged two separate gaps we had on the album mm. of music. It's amazing. And literally where Neil's tape chews up at the beginning, mm. we had the other half of that piece of music in Viv's archive. Li- virtually the same point. And I was able to just splice them. Oh, that's lovely. And then with EQ and mastering, we smoothed them out. Yeah. 
crazy, yeah. man. And I have to say as well, I wouldn't have known about Neil's Tate were it not for John Street, mm-hmm. uh, who nowadays is the Tony Hancock Appreciation Society, but originally was the, the Viv Appreciation Society. And John, I would send him um, edits over and he'd say, oh, d- 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 you know, that I always loved that line. Is mm. that not there? And it's like, well, no, it's not. I'd have to go to that other tape and and then you've got the problem of smoothing it out but hopefully hopefully it all sounds as though you know it sounds like one recording session thank god very nice booth is what it sounds like and you know there were little bits of ai used on it i have to confess Mm -hmm. in order to remove things so we could have lines of dialogue that didn't belong and did belong where they were yeah um you know but um what he did with the first album was he took Peel sessions, embellished them, rewrote them, and changed them, and da 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 So, yeah, it's it's done. It's out would, there. Is it, I mean, it is out there, isn't it? And I just would it have happened if it wasn't for that night in the unity of not knowing quite what no. was going on, what we no. were doing. It's, no. that's the thing, isn't no, it? No, 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 no. Like I say, the the whole story is crazy. Yeah, the it whole is. story. It is. If we hadn't done the show and... You and know, you hadn't sent the DVD to Rupert and all yeah, those little yeah, steps. Yeah. And, and Andy Mail, you mm. know, has co- told a great story this week in The Guardian. He's really... Mm. He's managed to tell an enormous story in one article and done it, you know, with huge dexterity. But then he's a brilliant writer, so... Yeah. He's able to take all that material and distill it yeah. into a... Um, you know, a narrative one can follow. Mm. I, I, you know, stunned, stunned with it all. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah, it it's out there now, it and it's is. not. And now the great thing is, it's it's just Viv. You know, yeah. there's only one name on the front. You know. Yes. And it's not. It's it's that's it. That's all we want. I've seen so many posts on Twitter, um, and social media in general, where people have got their other albums, their other Viv albums, and and. And it's not that explicit, but the the terminology is along the lines, you know, it belongs here. Yeah. And that is, if that's what people who, because I love his work, if that's what other people think, oh mm. man, that's that's fantastic. It if is. it just fits into the corpus for the fans of work, which it does, you know, mm. there's there's nothing, there's nothing in there that isn't, to our best guess, how he would have wanted it. No. But you'll never ever know. Because oh, he, God, no. he fiddled and buggered around with stuff to the nth degree. Mm. But to the 28 point, years yeah. after his death, have yeah. some new stuff. That's yeah. And there's more. There's two more albums there. Mm-hmm. There's a great live album. There's a great live album there. If, if, if we sell enough of the... Well, we. It's not me. No. Uh, but if the label sell enough copies... So, I mean, you know, with record companies, it obviously comes down to the bottom line and they're not going to invest a load of money if there's no likelihood of getting it back. No, that's true. So you can understand that. It's Yeah, yeah. There's nothing cynical in that decision. It's simply, well, if it's going to cost money, we can't do it. But if they sell enough, then hopefully they'll do it. But the live album, I mean, so that whole Dog Ends tour in 1991 that he did with Rodney and Susie and Danny mm-hmm. Thompson and all these people... Um, he did this fantastic, fantastic tour in '91. Sh- such a shame he didn't continue to do these tours. Yeah. 
But the great thing about the 91 tours is not only were they professionally recorded each night, but the fans weren't in the, you know, God bless them. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about fans, but they were still young people mm. and they were out on the piss and they were enjoying themselves raucously. Yes. You know, these guys who were only in the thirties and forties and ladies, um, yes. it's not, you know, these guys now who are in the sixties and seventies were young when Viv was doing that in 91. Mm. So you've got the audience are fired up. They're all quite pissed as well. Excellent. But it's not simply the performance of the songs in those recordings. It's the ad-libs. Mm. Let me tell you. Funny. And there's ad, there's not, it's not even offensive. Mm. Or fuck every other word. It's just funny. And you know he didn't script it. No. You know it was straight off the top of his head. And people are dying laughing listening to yeah. him. He's that funny. Oh. Well, so I want this out on an album now. I think this needs to be released. Yes, it does need to be released. I agree yes. with you, but we'll have to see how these two do, won't we? We will, we will, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. But that would be um, amazing, because, like I say, the ad-libs mm. <laughs> are just out of this world. I, I yeah. can't imagine being that intelligent and funny. Oh, it's a, it, it's somewhere else. The, yeah. the, that that sort of thought process. and And again... Those comparisons, which are so easily and so lazily drawn with people like Cook, people forget the mental dexterity that they could just, you know, just sat there, just just oh, not yeah. performing, just sat there with someone, and it would just spark out of them because they couldn't not do it. Yeah, it's oh, it's beautiful. It's fantastic. Beautiful. But yeah. even when he wasn't doing music or prose, he'd be sculpting or he'd be painting or he'd be, he just couldn't turn it off. Or building rabbit hutches. Oh, building rabbit hutches, yes, yeah. as Jerry Brown says. Yes. Um, but no, well, as Pete Moss, who was his MD as well around about that time, certainly on the Dog Ends tour, as Pete Moss says, you know, he, he'd have to say, right, that's the arrangement, Viv, that's it. Yeah. Because he would never, ever end with the tinkering. Mm. He could never, ever stop, you know. But they're out now, so, you know, available from your favourite offshore tax avoiders or at your local record store. Mm. Absolutely. Yes. Wonderful stuff, yes. So there we go. Yeah, fantastic. Well worth it. A, a wonderful project and a wonderful culmination of a a, a long time of of, well, of I mean, love and and care know. and and yeah, just Well, if Rupert hadn't, you know, stuck his feet in so doggedly in, in mm. getting and keeping hold of the tapes. Yeah. You know, making sure the tapes um survived. Yeah. There'd be nothing. No. Yeah, ab absolutely nothing. I mean, you know, it's great what he said in the Guardian in in article, intercle, <laughs> um, about all of that, innit? You know, he says he feels like an albatross has been lifted. Mm. And he's done his dad's memory proud, and he has. Oh, God, he has. He has. You can't has. argue with that. No, not, um, at not at all. Yeah, fantastic. Hard yes. to believe that I was involved with it, but there you go. No, no, absolutely. Take my hat off to you with those. They're absolutely beautiful. Uh, other thing I got this week, must say thank you to Simon, friend of the podcast, because I had to. I had oh, to the barges. Oh, after you recommended this. Yeah, oh. when Simon played it, it was just like, he played it twice in actual mm. fact. Because yeah. it was so good. It's wonderful. And the sleeve, the printing, you talk about the printing on that. Oh, yeah. 
the the feel of the sleeve. It's beautiful. It's like parchment. Um, it's, a, it's a cracking series. Never had a, a release on DVD or anything, The Borgias, because it's one of those series which people are lazy about. A bit like how they can be lazy with their appraisal of people like Viv or Peter Cook. Um, and The Borgias was uh, 1981, and it took a big chance with uh, Adolfo Celli, who was an Italian actor. Again, working in his second language, but with a very, very thick Italian accent. So the first time I became a bird of the board was on TV Hell uh, in 1991, 92. Mm. And it was just critics slagging it off because couldn't understand a word he said. And that was it. It's rich. The money spent on this series is just phenomenal. Mm. Um Beautifully done. Uh, they did a series of uh, the Borgias uh, not too long ago with Jeremy Irons as, as, uh, in the Adolfo Celle part, and you watch it, and it's just it's your average Netflix. Let's spend a lot of money. I don't really get Jeremy oh, Irons. Don't you? No. Why is it like with me with Sam Neill? I don't get Sam Neill. It's yeah, just... well, the very kind of similar in that regard I yeah think. there's just nothing to watch not for me not for no. me but then pff, i don't know maybe that's just me i liked him on play away he was good on that he was good on play away isn't he the chariots of fire chap is he in that isn't he the main man i don't know now he feels like he should be he must be he, he i must get be. him and he tim piggott smith and all these guys mixed up yeah. I like Tim Piggott Smith though. Yeah, I I do. But wasn't he in something called The Chief, which was you know your average nineties yeah. ITV drama of just people talking a lot? Mm. Yeah. No. I'll tell you who turns up in Secret Army wonderfully. Yeah. Norman Escher. Yes. Gotta love a bit of Norm. You've got to love a bit of Norm. Norman Escher's wonderful. You know the cafe in series two, the yeah. Candide. Yeah. Do they completely change it, or is it just the dining room you don't see in series to one? Totally, totally. Uh, it's yeah. a different. It's a different set. Uh, it's. Part I know of you s- told me about the exterior. I got. Yeah, that no, bit no, from but you. the set is different. It as is, well. isn't it? It's a completely, completely different cafe. Yeah, because the idea is his wife. Spoilers: His wife dies at the end of series one. Hmm. He gets the insurance payout, and he buys a new cafe. The cafe. And I've missed all that, have I? You must have missed that. It's just it's in the first episode of series series two. I must have been getting coal. Must have been. Um, you see, this is the trouble with hard drives. You don't pay the same attention. You don't. You know, it's like nineteen ninety. I watched it last year, and I'm like, mm, I think it was good. Now I'll pay attention. Yes. Now I'll pay proper attention to every second of it. But um, like I was saying to you the other day, that the fact mine that, could oh, be on the mat. Could it? Oh, Let me check ex- the app. It's exciting, isn't it? Hang on. It might not be. Oh. It could be here as late as quarter to eight. Oh, that's no good, is it? But um, No. Uh, there you go. Here. But I think with the with the second series of Secret Army, so much of it is filmed on location in Brussels. Yeah. And like I said to you, when I was there a few years ago and I was determined to find the Candide. And it's the main central square of Brussels, you know, it's yeah. just it's the busiest place you can imagine. So trying to get myself, a photo of myself stood outside the Candide without people walking past that took forever. Um, <laughs> and a little photo look, going in through the through the uh, side door, pretending I'm Ron Pember and all that. With the sad oh, thing being, oh, Ron Pember, Ron Pember. There's not enough of him in series two. 
There isn't. There's not enough Ron Pemba full stop in the world. No, in the world, the yes. man is phenomenal, and he's another one who would he work these days? Because we talked, you know, about oh, Bob Grant and yeah. the way that he looks. Would Ron Pemba work now? Ron Pemba's so good because you know, did I don't know mm. about now? Mm. You knew so many blokes who looked like Ron Pemba. Mm. Yeah, you know, he's just. He is he is the grey man, isn't he? Oh, he absolutely he is. can he can travel across Brussels no problem with his bicycle with fruit and veg with guns under him. No, none at uh, all. Oh, don't worry, Albert. I'll be all right. And it's yeah. like, he, he will. Yeah. What about the curfew, Albert? Oh, I'll be all right. So, you know. Yeah. Albert says to him, "What about the curfew?" No, it'll be all right. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, Ron Pember, absolutely love the man. Ah. He's in one oh. only fills and arses, but burly. Mm. He's burly in it. Such a waste. Yeah. What's oh. his big thing? What? How can we get more Ron Pember? You've literally just got to find him as supporting cast. There is no Ron Pember series. It's not like he did, you know, oh, this starring Ron Pember. He never led a series. That's a bloody shame. It is, isn't it? Because he's good enough. He's so good. He controls the camera. Yeah. He's one of those actors... And you see, you don't see it anymore. But in the world of multi-camera television, you can see an actor who knows how to hold frame, and he can bloody hold. He frame. is magnetic. Oh, he is, and it's the it's the way that you know that the camera on him, like the, this camera's on me at the moment. It's the difference between knowing right, the camera's on me, so I'll just do the slightest turn. It's about that sort of thing that certain people could do. And then using the eyes and look, holding the face still yeah. until you need to release it. That's Ron Pember's technique. Yeah. And it works beautifully. It works beautifully. I know. Oh. It's like when I said there were so many blokes who looked like him and he's a grey man. And it, it feels like I'm doing him a disservice. But, he's but you're not. brilliant. That's, he's still but, brilliant at his craft. Oh, he's so good. He's such a good actor. But you're right, because he looks just like a bloke. Yeah. Uh, and my thing now is that, you know, him, Bob Grant, they, they wouldn't get on telly because they just look like blokes. It was always disappointing, wasn't it? And that Wogan was an example of it when you'd hear Bob Grant or whoever mm. on on an interview show and they they talk dead posh. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ilda and Stan Ogden are another example. You'd hear them on something and you're like, oh, I don't want well, to hear Stan, them doing this. Bernard Ewans was a Bunny. Course- Yes, Bunny was Banny the voice Ewans. of Granada. He was the the continuity announcer. He was a dancer. Yeah, early doors. Oh, yeah. He was a very successful dancer. He's yeah. in all those Mancunian films in the the forties. Mm, Dancing, yeah. good old Bunny. Oh, Bunny. And poor Ewans. Jane Birkin, who died today. She did. Yeah. Oh, sad news. That is. Yeah. But I'm guessing she was getting on a bit. She must have been 80 odd. No, no, 70, 74, I think. Really? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. She must have been bloody young oh, when she did she, Jatem. She absolutely was. I mean, but then you've got that whole, was it, the, they called it the Yeah Yeah movement in France at the time. Which, and she came up through that in the 60s. Um, uh, people like uh, people like her. I mean, and the other person I absolutely adore, and now that her name's gone out of my head. Francois. Uh, Francois. Ha- yeah, Francois, Francois Harding, Harding yeah, yeah. Uh, and they come from that yeah yeah movement um, and it's just pure Parisian and Christ it's sexy oh I love all that 
Oh, I love all that. Adore it. I mean, Stereolab kind of distilled that, didn't they, into their image and the sort of lo-fi, to quote one of the song titles, the sound. You know, you watch their videos and you're just like, wow, you you get this so well. They do. They absolutely do. It's the the cinema of the time as well, which Mm. is just, oh, it's wonderful stuff. I was reading about Monsieur Hulot, you know. Oh, yes. Everyone knows... Michel Hulot's Holiday, of course. But he made a film in the late, mid to late 60s where they built an entire city. Good. That was called Hulotopolis. Wow. Literally with steel and concrete. And it was a, a flop and bankrupted him. Oh. <laughs> Hang on. What was that film called? Um, uh, Jacques Tati. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so he made this film. Um... What was the film that bankrupted him? Uh, was it that one? Playtime. Yeah, Ooh. it's called. Playtime took nine years to make, and Tato had to Tati had to borrow heavily from his own resources to complete the picture. Uh, it's, it's made in seventy mil. Oh, and so do you know it what? looks glorious. Do you know what? I've got it through there on the shelf on Blu-ray, and I've never. I'd watched love it. to see. I must watch it. Um, oh, I picked up a copy in Sex for a Fiver on Blu-ray. Oh, I'll have to get it. Maybe because apparently, even though it was a flop, it is astonishing. Mm. It looks... I mean, can you imagine what everything you've just talked about mm. in 70 millimeter? Oh, just distilled. Perfect. So, was it a flop because it's shit, or was it a flop because it cost far too much and they couldn't recoup the costs? What was it? Uh, the film... Playtime is the big leap, the big screen. I'm putting myself on the line. Either it comes off or it doesn't. There's no safety net. Here we oh. go. Tati famously built an entire glass and steel mini city, nicknamed Tattyville. I had that wrong. On the outskirts of Paris for the film, which took years to build and left him mired in debt. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think why it was a flop. Probably because... As it says here, it was a massive and expensive commercial failure, eventually resulting in Tati's bankruptcy. Uh, But I know that since then, its reputation has grown. Mm. Um, There we go. On its original release, it was commercially unsuccessful, failing to earn back a significant portion of its cost. There we go. Blah, 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 blah. Playtime is now regarded as a great achievement by many critics. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's got an approval rating of 98%. Bloody hell. Wow. Okay. Well, I'd, I'd like to say I'll watch that, but the bloody Blu-ray player's not working, so... Oh, the Blu-ray... Pr- yeah, well, I told you the fix, and it worked for a few weeks. You it take the lid two off, weeks. and took you put it back off. on. I took the they lid like off. They like a bit I... of attention, electrical That's thing. what I did. I took the lid off, I gave it a jolly good look, and a, a bit of a stern word, put the top yeah. back on, and it Yes, worked. I do appreciate you. Yes. That's put the lid thing. back on. I appreciate you, but now you've got a job to do, so pull yourself together. And it did Top it. back on, and it worked. But now I got another two weeks out of it, and now it's going. No, don't want to. Have you took the lid off again? No. Now it's a, it's a, it's a sort of it's a standoff now between me and it. I'm not going to do the that lid again. Off. It's had a tension. It's, it's going what? in the. It's had a tension. Take the lid off. I'm going to get a new one and put it in the bin. Take the lid off. Or on top of the wardrobe. Take the lid off. All right, I'll take the lid off again. Imagine it's a Dalek and you're Doctor Who. Okay, I'll take the lid off then. Take the lid off and nine times out of ten they work. Well, I'll give it a shot. It probably just needs another talking to, I suppose. It does, it just needs some attention. 
To be fair to it, it has worked its way through about 400 crossroads this year, so it must be a Ooh, bit like, It's oh. probably just on strike. It could be that. No be. more beige, it says. Yes, that's enough for me. No give... more heliotrope. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it some tassy and maybe that'll... Right, well, my back's hurting after all this bloody yoga, so... Oh, with I'm your yoga. Cut. I, think, I think we'll leave it there. I'm I think we tired. should. Well, next week, we should say, next week is number 100. You can't do 100 with me hands. You can't, no. You can uh, do 10. Yeah, so imagine that and another times by 10. Uh, yes. It's number 100 next week, so we might, I'm not going to say we will, we might mm. be sprucing the shop up a bit, mightn't we? Yeah, I think it needs a spruce up. I think so, a little spruce up, so there might be that to look forward to next week. Um, apart from that, all the usual stuff that we forget to say, uh, you can contact us via the website on oh, the bottom yeah. of the screen. Don't forget that. Um, you can find us on social media. I took a break. Uh, oh, your Twitter break. Go on, I then. We can t- squeeze another five minutes out of the throbbing member of nice things. Well, it was just... Uh, it's, it's Exactly. It's dreadful. It's awful, isn't it? It's But terrible. then about an eight hours after... Yeah. I'm leaving Twitter. It takes up too much of my time. About eight hours after, oh, I'm on threads now. Oh. Well, yeah. No, I, all right. And no, there's I no don't... traffic wardens holding guns on there, I'm guessing. There aren't, no, no. No. But it's just nicer. It's just people going, should we look at something nice? Yes, please. But you're still wasting as much time. No, I haven't. I've posted about three things on it because I realised I could post five minutes of video. And then I'm like, this isn't exciting. But what I did do is suddenly, because I'm not going through Twitter and saying, oh, you're wrong because I disagree. And it's like, who fucking cares? Who cares? Who cares? I mean, what we've learned in the past week it's that people think they can just go online and say anything they like. Yes. And it's just like, oh, well, there are these things called libel. Is it libel or slander? I don't know what. Uh, libel, if it, libel if it's written, slander if it's said, yes. Right, so libel would apply, wouldn't it? It would I apply. know, I'll just go online and say oh. what I please. Yes, Ooh, doesn't quite work like that. But you know what? No. In that time when I haven't been off, so I was walking past the Cats Protection League the other day, mm. um... And in the window was a book, and I thought, well, I want that. I'm not going in now. Uh, and I went back the next day, and it was, oh, it's gone. So oh, no. I, it had gone. So I, I told went, you to buy it. Yes, I know, and I didn't. I thought, no, no, I shan't. Get it tomorrow. Why? £1.50. No. Uh, stupid. So I went in, though, and there were two other books by the same author. So I got myself a, a little little couple of Alan Garner oh, you, books. You're a... No, 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 no. I'm just disappointed in you for not doing that. No, no, here's the thing. Ah. Here's the thing. I went to the counter uh, with those books and the lady behind the the counter went, oh, I knew we had a couple more. And I went, yeah, there was one in the window which I I was going to get. And she went, oh, which one was that? And I went, the Owl Service. And I've seen the series and I love it. And I thought, I'm going to actually read that, but it's gone. And she reached under the counter and she went, well, I was going to get it for myself, but uh, there you go. Oh, what a lovely gesture. What a lovely thing. So she said, oh, I read that so much when I was younger, so I know it anyway. Um, so How I'm gonna pop, kind. I'm going to pop in tomorrow. Put it I've on screen it on. again. Here it is. Look at that. Lovely. 1973 pressing, this That's is. such a great cover, that. But, uh, I mean, because I've got the Owl service now on Blu-ray, so I'm going to pop in tomorrow and give her the DVD. Um, but not being on Twitter meant that I sat down and I read the Owl service. And you suddenly go... I feel probably better for doing that than from saying, you're wrong about this. Totally. Awful lot. But it, so, wasn't just, uh, it, it wasn't just sitting and reading the owl service, was it? 
Wasn't there oh, an God, entire no. mise-en-scene? Oh, yeah. There's been an awful lot more stuff that's happened. No, but I you mean, read it sat in the pub with the dog, didn't you? I read it sat in the pub with my dog. Nice. And a pint. And you suddenly go, this is an Fuck awful lot. Twitter. Better. Yes. Toilet. Um, <clears throat> so, yes. So, that was that was actually... That was bloody lovely. Yeah. That was lovely. So, more of that, I think, on the More horizon. of that, less arguing on Twitter. Yes. I think it's the order of the day. Because who says people are wrong? Who cares? I couldn't give a shit, mate. I'm just making profit for some faceless twat in California, really. Well, when I used to drink, I used to do it. Hmm. Pointless. Totally pointless. Pointless, you know. And I I did used to really... I know how how you can get with it. Oh, yes. You said... Right. Yes. Who gives a shit? Yeah. You know, you're arguing with fucking DXZ44445, you know, Mm. as you say, in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Who I'm giving him a peace of my mind. Yes. Like that'll change his views. No. So, yes. No, more Alan Garner this week and a spruce up of the shop front. Uh, but as we were saying, you can contact us on the website down there. Um, you could you could leave a, a nice little review on, on Apple. Yes. Uh, that'd be handy. Give us some five-star reviews. That'd be quite useful. Um, or on Spotify. You can do it there as well. Spotify. Uh, or wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening to this, or just leave us a nice comment on YouTube below Quite the video. So. That would be lovely. Quite Thank so. you. Yes. Right, dear. Well, okay, I think that's enough of that. I think so. A lovely thought for the week. Yes. Lovely pub environment with a delicious book, yes. shaggy dog, yes. roaring fire, yes. and a foaming pint of nut brown ale. That's what you <clears> want. If I could just toilet train the dog, everything would be perfect. But no, he shits all over the place. That's a work in progress. Well, my old granddad used to say, a lump of peeled ginger up the rectum is the thing for a dog who (laughs) won't kill himself. So there you go. Stanley, do you want me to... He probably doesn't want that. No, I... I, Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spare the ginger, spoil the dog, as his father (laughs) used to say. Um... (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah. on that cheering note, yes. Well, it was this was for whippets. He claimed it made them run faster, and I'd go with that. <laughs> well, it made me bloody run faster. That's yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. Gingering the dog. <laughs> That's the phrase. I'm sure if you look it up online, it's well known. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Yeah. I don't know what, okay. quite where they found ginger no. in post-war Haydock, but there you go. There we are. Land of green ginger. If it does the trick, it does the trick. But it does the I, trick. I, I Ginger the boy. <laughs> <laughs> Spoil the dog. <laughs> Spoil the dog. Right, okay. On that yeah. profound revelation on uh, <sighs> how to train dogs. Yes. Uh, we hope you all have a wonderful week at home. Mm-hmm. And until the next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production.